Hi, and welcome back to the Business Trader Podcast. I'm your host, Njabudan Saband. This podcast is aimed at helping new and experienced traders navigate the markets and learn from other traders. In this week's episode, I'm chatting with um, Lester Davids, and this is episode number 47. Hi, Lester, man. How are you doing? Hi, Njibulo. Um, I'm doing well, thank you. Um, um, thank you for inviting me onto your platform, and I'm looking forward to engaging. Yeah, man. Uh, thank you for 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 taking the time to to uh, to chat with us today. Um, can can you take me through the what what uh, got you uh, what what first got you interested into the financial markets? How was that? Uh, you know, if you can relate relate the story as to how you got interested into into the financial markets. Um, Anjabulo, my introduction to the financial markets goes back um, nearly 20 years um, to the end of my matric year when I had the first actual realization that the sphere or the environment was a vehicle for not only um, potential wealth creation, but also for financial freedom. Um, but to take you back a bit further, a bit further, a bit further than that, um, as a preteen, um, I'd been involved in school sports. I was part of the athletics team, um, captain, of, um, captain of the soccer team. So following sports um, to me was a natural progression. Um, combined with that, I really loved um, reading, the, um, reading the newspaper um, so much that when, um, as, a, um, as a kid, when my father would come home from work, I would um, grab the newspaper from his hand and jump straight to the sports section and catch up on any bits of news um, around the sports, which um, may have happened over the weekend or any updates during the week. Um, over time, um, throughout my high school um, career, I also started noticing these columns on the last page of the newspaper, which included names of companies um, and numbers which change on a daily and a weekly basis. Um, this really intrigued me, which led me to start um, reading the business section of the newspaper, um, unknowingly commencing a journey that would, would at the time, um, or um, looking back rather, open up um, limitless opportunities. Um, taking it a bit further, um, than that, and as mentioned, um, at the end of my matric year was the first time that I um, that this um, sphere, this arena, made um, total sense to me. Um, by that time, I had already um, enrolled to study um, internal auditing at um, the Cape Peninsula University of, the, of um, Technology, um, and during this period, I had also had a part-time job, um, which was mostly on um, weekends and um, during the week when um, I wasn't attending class. Um, it was actually at a, um, a retail store, um, Mr. Price, where I also started um, um, to purchase, you know, with um, some spare cash, you know, just to start buying some financial magazines, um, such as the Fin Week and the Financial Mail. And um, actually, to this day, I've probably still got um, most of those copies from around 2003-2004 onward. Um, following my college, I then completed an internship at um, Old Mutual, uh, which is followed by a few years at um, Deloitte, um, completing some um, um, internal auditing um, as both a um, risk management consultant as an, and an internal auditor. Um, based on my desire to be um, um, to want to be part of of, this, of the investment industry and part of this business, um, I then took the initiative to, to start a, a free uh, blog slash website um, to be able to raise my profile in the industry, um, but also to keep a record of my ideas and my, or a public record of my ideas and my, um, and my own research. Um, during this period, I'd also taken part in a, in a um, national stock picking competition, um, which was run by the Sunday Times, and this was in 2009, which actually saw me um, take um, first place for for one of the quarters. Um, I think I, 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 I do think that um, that event actually turned out to be a massive um, confidence boost, um, which further then motivated me to continue learning about the stock market um, and continuing my sort of my informal um, education. Um, by this time, it was around um, 2011, where I had also established a um, Twitter account, 
Um, and then I um, started, you know, uh, following various local accounts, including some um, some market participants, both private um, and those in the industry, um, who had been sharing some of the thoughts and some of the um, comments as well. Um, I believe it was also on this platform that I actually managed to sign up um, to market commentary from one of the well-established stockbrokers, um, from which I had also uh, received some uh, market commentary and the occasional um, trading idea. Um, one particular day, I had uh, received a trading idea on um, on um, Standard Bank. I think this, yeah, I think the stock was Standard Bank from this particular um, stockbroker, which which then caught my attention because just the previous day, I had also published. Um, my thoughts on Standard Bank as well. Um, in fact, it was more on the on the technical position as opposed to a fundamental piece. Um, I then um, emailed the stockbroker. In fact, um, I replied to that particular email and mentioned that I had also published um, a Standard Bank idea just the previous day. Um, on the back of this, I was approached um, by the CEO um, to, to provide um, the research for the trading desk um, and for the and for the clients of the firm as well. Um, over the next few months, I then provided um, frequent ideas, commentary, and um, additional research. Um, and uh, after about six months, I eventually ended up being hired as a permanent employee, where I was tasked with providing research on um, focusing on both. Um, local and offshore markets. Um, this year will be about five years that I'm actually still at that particular firm. So you could say that the email that I replied to was a game changer for me and an email that actually opened up a world of opportunities to be a part of this business and to be able to work with um, incredibly smart people and to continue to um, learn within this industry. Yeah, that was a, a, an asymmetric bet email that you took there. Yes, yes, definitely a um, asymmetric bet, a life-changing email. Um, and I'm and I'm actually um, thankful for the CEO and for the team to be able to give me the opportunity to add value um, to their clients and to be able to be part of this journey um, um, that we are on uh, in this um, environment. So uh, when, when you when you were publishing these ideas and writing your blogs on um, uh, on stocks and, and, and charts analysis uh, and technical analysis, were you trading these ideas or were you just uh, um, doing some analysis on them? It was basically just some analysis on them, um, just to be able to uh, to be able to establish um, to to keep a public. Um, a public uh, record of my um, of my thoughts, and also to be able to raise my profile. So at the time, no, there was no um, official trading of that. Um, I will just add and say that um, the environment that I did come from, or the or the economic circumstance that I did come from, um, you know, we um, did not actually allow me to be able to um, participate in the market. So at the time, coming up as a youngster. Um, having just graduated, um, there was no opportunity for me to be able to um, do that. Only at the later stage, I was able to implement one or two of the ideas um, and to be able to take advantage of what I actually saw. So at the time, no. Yeah. Was it, was it uh, you know, emotionally devastating um, and I suppose uh, um, felt great in, 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 on, on some levels to, 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 to write an, an article or, you know, write a some analysis on the stock and actually see that analysis play out without um, you being involved in, in that market? Yes, definitely. Um, I think there were many times where um, I had um, I had sort of um, um, regretted not being able to um, participate in those um, in those calls and actually seeing those um, some of those calls work out, some of them not working out. Um, but seeing, um, uh, but for the, um, but for the most part, some that um, did work out. Uh, not being able to be involved in that or not being able to take advantage of that was quite disappointing at the time. Um, 
but I do think that it taught me a lot about, um, you know, I think, uh, I mean, as they say, your, your, your mistakes, you learn more from your mistakes or learn more from your, um, in inverted commas, I would say losers than your, um, than your winners. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And <clears throat> do you, do you, do you, uh, you know, if you, if you were to contrast um, the time where you did put on, put on some of those ideas and when you didn't, um, do, do you, was your analysis any different um, in terms of now when you have skin in the game and when you didn't have skin in the game? I don't think there was, I mean, um, I do not think that there was much. It's a, um, you've got to give, I think at this, at this current juncture, you've got to give a bit more thought or much more thought to what you're doing because uh, um, many of our clients and as well as our um, trading desk would implement those ideas. But at the time, um, I, I would say that it's a much more different area. I would say it's a much more different environment um, when you do not have skin in the game. I will, however, say that um, having a public a, a public record of your of your calls um, also places you under a certain amount of um, scrutiny or opens you up to um, scrutiny. You know, because you've got to go back um, at times. You've got to go back and. Um, say this did not work out or that particular idea did work out. So there was always that. And I think being on um, a, um, in a social media environment and on a platform where you are um, being watched by a number of people um, does give you some sort of accountability um, because some of them would maybe actually follow you into that particular idea or follow what you're actually saying. Um, but definitely at the current juncture, there is a bit more, definitely more thought, um, but still that same sense of responsibility because you actually know that you've got people that's following you and watching what you are actually doing. No, no, got you, got you, got you. <coughs> Sorry, man. Ah, sorry about that. Uh, I'll, I'll just edit it out. Um, so, what are some of you know? I noticed uh, um, uh, most of your 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 chat analysis and most of your ideas are um, are not filled with a lot of technical indicators, and they're just mostly just chart patterns and and and, and price action. Um, like what what. Uh, uh, what draw what what drew you into 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 technical analysis as opposed to, for example, fundamental 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 analysis? You know, you know, you know, I would think that um, you know, being exposed to internal auditing, you know, fundamental fundamental analysis will be the uh, um in, in inverted commas the more obvious uh, uh you know form of analysis that would you would gravitate. You would gravitate to towards, but what got you to be more technical analysis based? Um, I would say that um, during the early years of my of my study and my and my learning, I I did follow a basic fundamental approach, which was looking at the traditional um, ratios such as the price to earnings ratio, the price to book. Um, the price to book ratio, which is something that I think most of us um, are introduced to when we are um, when we start to learn um, the financial markets. My approach, however, shifted from attempting to decipher balance sheets and income statements to technical analysis, which allowed me to provide a wider scope of insights for both local and offshore markets, which is um, something I which is something I really enjoy, you know, um, the ability to be able to move across geographies without having to, to be on the ground. So as an analyst who uses um, charts as their primary tool, yes, I'm very focused on price action, um, which includes the study of patterns and um, structure, as well as understanding the um, um, supply demand dynamics between buyers and sellers. Um, 
you 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 uh, mentioned um, indicators and having a cleaner chart than um, than uh, what is usually seen. Yes, I think that um, indicators to a certain extent it can blur or it can give you a particular bias to be able to first rely on the indicator um, as opposed to just following the price and having a look at the price directly because. Um, I think I think that most of us know that indicators are actually a derivative of price. So yeah. why not go directly to the source as opposed to relying mm -hmm. on um, an indicator which may or may not be lagging? Um, I would also say that I incorporate multiple time frame analysis. So trying to understand when an instrument is showing um, um, strength or weakness, for example, let's say on the four-hour chart versus the daily chart. Um, I, I would also say that I've got a preference for 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 um, recommending buys um, on names that are looking to, let's say, emerge from long basis or potentially um, getting ready to take the next leg higher. So um, um, the um, technical versus fundamental question, it does give you a bigger scope to work from, and um, you are also able to move through many charts, um, many geographies, and many instruments. I think if you're having a look at fundamental uh, analysis, I think that there are um, in this business. You know, we've got an incredibly, um, we've got incredibly talented people, smart people that know their businesses inside out. Um, but oftentimes they've, you know, they've got to um, meet with, meet with. Um, the management of those companies to be able to get those insights. Whereas if you're on the um, you are on the technical side, you are looking at um, what the market participants' attitude towards that particular stock is, and you are able to determine um, the supply demand dynamics um, directly. No, no, got you, got you, man, got you. And what are some of the, uh, <clears throat> when doing your, your chart analysis, what are some of the characteristics that you're looking for to um, to send out a buy or sell recommendation? And uh, also, are you looking at long only or long and shorts? Um, I'm looking at both the long and the short side. However, I would say that um, the overwhelming majority is on the long side. Um, in terms of the characteristics, um, as mentioned, you know, I, I'm basically looking for for charts or for setups that are showing strength, but more so emerging strength. So looking for um, tight console, looking for tight consolidations and charts that um, potentially are looking to break out, let's say, over the next few days or next few weeks. So um, when I say emerging strength, um, as opposed to strength itself. Um, I basically mean that it's I don't I don't even want to be buying something that has gone up, you know, or that has um, shot up um, significantly over the short term. To me, that does feel sort of um, as if you're chasing that particular stock. So finding something that is about to break out or showing strength on lower time frames is something that I really find um, appealing. Um, I would however say that I also consider the fundamental aspect, because I think as a technical analyst, you've really got to be cognizant of um, the fundamental background for that particular business. And that could be whether it's an um, earnings event or a particular corporate event. Um, if we take it on the short side, um, if you're having a look at a short and you're incorporating a fundamental aspect, um, you know, you probably don't want to be too, too um, or heavily short a business that has um, that is, uh, let's say, undervalued from a fundamental perspective or in an environment um, where there are lots of um, mergers and acquisitions or corporate um, activity. So, for example, if I have a look at um, um, in, the, in, the, in the current environment, you probably don't want to be too short some of these South African small cap shares. Um, as we know, there's been a lot of um, takeovers and um, buyouts of certain stocks. So being short, those names will probably add more risk um, as opposed to being on the long side um, for those businesses or for those stocks that have significantly underperformed over the last number of years. 
Yeah, no, 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 that's uh, is there is you know when 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 I chat to 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 traders, often it's it's usually a particular book or a you know a few sets of books that that you know have them gravitate to whatever strategy or you know method of analysis or method of trading that's um, you know got them to where they are at the minute. Is there any uh, you know book that you 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 could you know attribute your your method of thinking as far as markets are concerned or, you know, a specific person that you can attribute your method of thinking as far as markets are concerned? And what was the biggest lesson that, what 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 is the biggest takeaway that you took from, from that person or that book? Well, um, one of the books that, that has really stood out to me over the last few years has been uh, Trading in the Zone by Mark Douglas. Um, and it's more so about um, the state of mind than the, um, the state of mind of the trader as opposed to any strategy um, or setup or, um, or, um, or, or, or a fundamental or technical aspect. So that book deals about um, more with um, the state of mind of the trader um, being um, emotionally fit um, to be able to um, survive and have longevity in this um, in this particular business. Um, another book that I would say also um, stood out to me is the market um, the market wizards by Jack um, Schwager. I know we've got the new one. I think it's the um, the unknown market wizards, um, which I haven't gotten to um, in fact, um, but the original market wizards. Um, and from that book, you know, um, it's basically set out with with um, stories. Um, for various uh, market participants um, in both the FX side, um, the commodity side, as well as um, on the equity side. Um, and from that particular book, you do realize that each participant um, does come with their own style and their unique attributes that allows them to be successful um, in the environment. Yeah, <clears throat> those the, those two books are, are some of my favorite books. You know, I I, I go through them repeatedly. Um, you know, and they've made a great a great impact on me as well. Those um, those two books are, um, <laughs> yeah, the, I you know, I'm I, I lose words when I when I talk about those those books. Um, so uh, broker recommendations and and um, uh, and analysis have often been spoken about. You know, also in, in market visits, <clears throat> and in not so good terms. Um, in, in most trading books, you know, including market wizards and 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 uh, I'm trading in the zone. What are your thoughts on that subject? And can it can it can a trader do a good job uh, um, following some some you know tech, some some analysis recommendations? Can can they do a decent job to a bottom line? Yeah, so um, I think that in any business there are quality products and then there are inferior products. Um, but I will say that in this um, in this business, you know, it's it's filled with um, exceptionally talented individuals who are able to um, provide quality insights and know their stocks um, through and through. Um, if we have a look at you know most traders who um, often perform their own ongoing analysis. And oftentimes, these are traders that are full-time and have been involved for markets for a number of years and have already experienced the vast majority of broker um, research. If I may differentiate between um, the various types of um, the various types of research, um, as we mentioned, you know, it's um, fundamental and technical analysis. And then you've also got the quantum mental analysis. Um, I will say in most cases, you will have institutional research, which is overwhelmingly fundamental in nature and have a much, a much, much smaller technical component. In terms of the technical analysis of research, I view it more as a risk management tool than a predictive tool. Um, for example, if we have a look over the last number of years, um, we have actually seen a number of stocks that where the charts have developed negative um, chart patterns and structures even well before the news made it into the public domain. So if we have a look at, uh, for example, a stock such as um, Sassel, which in 2018 was trading around over 400 then, and that was with no negative news. However, we did see the shares start to develop some weakness over, um, over time. And this could have been about 
November 2018. Um, I think that, however, if you are a fundamentalist, um, that you need to consider um, uh, technical analysis potentially as a complement um, to the insights that you've already built. I do say this because, as mentioned, um, at the time, Sassel was around over 400. We saw the stock weakening um, with no negative news out. However, the structure, from a, from a technical perspective, um, displayed a, a massive a multi-year head and shoulder formation, which at the time was probably, um, you know, it, 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 um, at the time we had that massive consolidation. However, we did see over a certain period the stock start to break lower, um, which eventually, you know, it was followed by oil getting weaker. And a few years later, we, um, or about a year ago, um, the commencement of the um, COVID-19 coronavirus, which saw that stock actually drop um, to below 100 Rand. In fact, it went all the way down to 20 Rand. So having that um, um, technical component in um, alongside your fundamental analysis um, could be a real value add for, I believe, any trader, both at a retail and, and, and at an um, institutional level. Yeah, yeah, and I, I like what you what you mentioned there that um, technical analysis could be a risk uh, management tool, especially for long term uh, um, for long term investors to say, okay, you know, the chart pattern doesn't look so great, and you know when you mentioned Sasol there and and that four hundred rent top, I immediately just jumped into the chart to 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 see what had happened there, and you can easily see a a, a you know a golden a negative golden cross there with a head and shoulders pattern collapsing there. <clears throat> when 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 you when you're seeing such things, um, does it influence what you do on your personal portfolio, um, um, or do you start sending out short recommendations, or do you just say, okay, this is a sign for me to stay out of the market? Um, how how do you, as 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 a risk mitigating factor or as a risk management factor, how do you use technical analysis to you know manage your risk? Um, I would say that if I do notice any um, any negative structures or any negative long-term patterns, um, I would communicate that to to our port to our portfolio managers who would most likely communicate that or um, take action within the portfolios if we do have a position um, in that particular stock. So my my pair of or, or or my, or my perspective um, being communicated to our team, which should in turn communicate that to our clients, um, making them aware that um, there is something negative on that particular chart, even though there's no news out. And if you're holding that in your in a long-term portfolio, um, you probably just want to take note of it a bit more at this stage. Um, and probably if it's trading at a multi-year high and it's starting to show weakness, it could be a signal that you probably need to um, reduce some of your position um, or get out of the stock um, completely. So having that technical element or technical aspect, um, it plays more of a supportive role um, to the fundamental process, um, which, which, which over the last few years, um, um, as we've given the example of Sassel, I think another example is probably um, um, something like a um, something like a um, Steinoff, um, okay. as well as something like a um, Aspen Pharmacare, perhaps. If you look at Aspen as well, traded at well above 400, um, but over time we saw that fundamental valuation derate as um, um, derate as well on the back of um, some of the debt concerns. And I mean, we had that stock go all the way down below 100. I think it was, I think the low was about 60 odd. So having that extra pair of eyes um, is something that 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 we and I find incredibly useful on a day to day, on a week to week, um, and month to month basis. No, no, got you, got you, got you. And and what is your your philosophy around risk? No, I'm. I, I think risk and risk management is probably the most important element in any trader's toolbox, um, and and most likely an area that 
most traders and analysts, including myself, should probably pay more attention to as opposed to what the reward in a particular um, trade or investment is. So if you're going into a trade, you probably want to first ask yourself, um, what can I afford to lose? And then focus on the upside. Um, I also think that there, there are different kinds of risk um, when considering a trade. For example, we've mentioned the um, the technical risk, which is solely to do with price action and um, structure. And then we've also got the fundamental risk, which includes you know, um, any corporate event which may occur. Um, for example, if you are a short-term trader um, going into a trade um, where the company is due to report results or where there is a trading statement that is expected, um, you could see um, your, the um, probability of um, big swings in either way is um, elevated or increased. So, no, definitely um, trading is or um, risk management, probably the number one um, factor that a trader needs to consider um, in any, any environment. Uh, uh, and, and what about, uh, uh, you know, uh, your, your money management uh, philosophy when it comes to your own personal trading? I, I would say that, um, you know, definitely over time, you know, um, I've spent more time on my, um, um, on the um, research side as opposed to the um, trading side. But in terms of my um, personal capacity, um, I would say that the money management aspect, um, in terms of the portfolio sizing, that's one thing I consider to be um, a a, um, a key a key element of my management of my money management. So not exposing myself um, too much to one particular to one particular position, um, mm-hmm. and the and. Um, Fine. Let's say across various stocks, various industries, um, geographies, as well as not only concentrating on um, single stocks, but also on um, ETFs and um, indices as well. And, um, and um, I think I mentioned um, commodities. So um, not being exposed too much to one particular area. No. Okay. No. I got you, man. And what is what is. Uh, how much is too much in terms of in, in percentage terms? So, for example, uh, um, what's the most exposure you would take on a stock, or what's the most exposure you would take on a particular asset class? Um, I think that um, I think if you've got a if you've got a I think it will depend on your conviction for that particular trade. Um, if you've got a if you've got an extremely high conviction on any particular um, stock or uh, or um, commodity, um, you would probably want to uh, give yourself a bit more um, leeway or a bigger um, position size. But I would say that um, as a standard as a standard rule, I would say no more than two and a half percent. Um, in any um, in any position within one's particular portfolio, of course, as your portfolio um, you know um, increases um, in size, you are most likely able to take um, a bit more a bit more risk. Um, but I do think that um, two point five is probably the optimal um, the optimal um, the optimal number in um in on that regard. No, oh, no, got you, got you. And uh, I know you are more of 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 a technical analyst than 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 than, than a trader. What what are are there any particular rules that you, you always abide by and never break? And what's your number one rule? I would say um, do not put um, not to put all your eggs into one basket. Um, in other words, be appropriately diversified, and uh, whether that be by um, having a sufficient amount of stocks um, across um, va- across various sectors, um, various geographies, as well as by asset class, um, as well as adding um, diversifying even further via um, ETFs. Um, as well as um, commodities and um, indices, and I would say if I could, eat, um, if I could add a second one, is um, have a stop and 
always cut, always try and cut your, always try and cut your losses. Um, I think that a, you know, um, we have this bias to be able to hang on to a particular position, um, but I do think if it does get, um, you know, you've got a a small loss that could turn into a much bigger loss. So having that discipline to be able to sell and to know when to sell um, is probably key. One of the key elements to long um, to longevity um, in the trading business. No, okay, no, no. Um, so you know, uh, you know, our, our, our industry is is one filled with huge amounts of content. Um, probably, you know, second best to sports, but. Um, what are some of the, the, the and, and, you know, with so much content, um, there's always going to be, uh, uh, you know, so much mis misconceptions around the markets. What are some of the worst misconceptions you've heard uh, about the market and how, what was the correct, uh, 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 you know, method or the correct term or the correct explanation, uh, you know, opposing that misconception? Um, I would say... I would say the the more educated you are, um, the greater your chances of success within the market. And I think that's why so many people um, who uh, come from high-powered jobs um, struggle within the trading environment, and they cannot um, understand that. Um, I think while a basic education is um, a good foundation for a professional um, within the industry, um, the trading environment is most likely one where you have, um, which is, which has the biggest um, emotional challenge um, for investors um, coming from that high-powered position and not being able to understand um, why a particular instrument moves in in a direction or why the market doesn't respond to a particular event um, can be quite confusing. Um, how do we correct that? I think that the I, I think that the lesson that every person um, will experience on a first-hand basis, and that's for both um, those who are educated, um, who who, who um, cannot keep up with um, the pace, and as well as for those who arrive purely um, with grit and with passion, but who are able to but who are able to manage to make a massive success of the business. I would say that um, another misconception is that the stock market is the economy. Um, and a, a good example of this is the JSE, where um, the economy in recent years has been in the doldrums. And however, the overall, um, the overall market continues to trade near its, its um, all-time highs. Um, of course, we know that this has been primarily primarily driven by most of our large cap shares, um, which have a, a sizable offshore component um, and has been um, in favor over the last number of years. And if we, if we translate that back into the local currency, we can actually see why they have done um, as well as they have. So the stock market is not the, is not the economy. I know that's a, 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 a very common concern for um, a lot of retail investors not being able to understand why the economy is in a um, is on the down while the stock market is at a high. So, uh, clarifying that is something we probably need to um, do a bit more as um, professionals. No, I know. Thank you, thank you. Do you have any memorable trades that you've taken over the years, um, good and bad, like the worst trade and the best trade? Hmm. Um, I would say the worst would be um, the worst would be timing on a on a particular event. So I'm not sure if you recall um, in 2015 we had the Nene the Nene Gate saga. Mm -hmm. So I had just bought some Investec, and I think that was in December 2015. Um, we had uh, I think it was the president at the time recalling the finance minister in Tlantla Nene. And we had Investec, I bought Investec the previous day, um, dropping about about 15%. And that was a, um, a shocking experience to me um, for someone who was fairly new um, um, to actually putting money to work at the time. 
So um, I would say that would be a, a um, um, one of my worst experiences um, in the market. Um, in terms of my my best calls, um, I would say that avoiding retailers in 2018 um, was probably something um, something I look back on and say that I was actually glad I made that particular call. Um, and this was at the time post Ramaphosa getting elected. Um, this was in March 2018. Um, I think the the economy was you know at a you know there was lots of optimism. But if I used, if I went to my charts and to my technical analysis, um, having a look at the retailers at the time and combining that with um, the fundamental valuation, um, at the time recognizing that there was some kind of risk um, at hand and that it was probably time to get out of those particular names, um, I would say was a call that um, I can look back and say, I'm actually glad I made that call for not only our desk, but also for our clients as well. Yeah, you know, they always say, uh, you know, music is the space between the notes and, and trading is the space between trades. Um, and, and the most difficult thing in, in the market is to, to, to stay out of the market and, and, and not trade. You know, how, how much have that experience taught you the importance of staying out of the market when it's time to stay out of the market? Yeah, I think that... Um, you know, I think at times, especially in our business and especially on the research side, you you do feel a certain amount of pressure to be able to provide a comment and um, a trading idea. I would say at times, there are times when um, the ideas are plentiful and um, there are just so many setups to go around. But there are times when... For example, in the recent days, we've had, um, you know, explosive moves on the market. Um, the discipline is not to is probably not to chase those moves. Um, so, staying out of the market at a certain time, as a researcher, as an as an as an analyst, um, is not the easiest because you've always got to provide a comment or a setup or a trade, but. If there is no setup, um, you've got to follow your discipline and um, recognize the fact also that there is no trade and that cash is also a position. And waiting for the market to pull back, um, to get back into the market, is not an easy um, is not an easy is not an easy endeavor. You've got to have a bit of patience, but that patience eventually turns into profitability where you are able to stick with your discipline, wait for the market to pull back, and take on a, on a next trade for the next leg up. So having that, so having that particular discipline is key, um, and knowing when to stay out of the market um, is, is, is a key element for any researcher, for any trader, for any analyst. And do, do you think perhaps uh, um, that what, what you just mentioned there that, um, you know, in times where, uh, um, you know, there's nothing to write about the market aren't doing much or, you know, if you're a long only analyst, the market is going down during that period where, you know, for all intents and purposes, you shouldn't be writing any technical or, or, or any form of, of uh, bullish reports or, you know, trying to entice uh, uh, clients into, into taking positions. The, uh, you know, the, the the side of of the uh, analyst that has been lambasted, as opposed to you know that you know analysts are just you know uh, full of it. It's just that you know there are times where they should they, uh, you know they should just not put up buy recommendations and they they continue to do so. Um, you know, or is it just very uh, you know? Analyst, uh, some some analysts are full of it. In other words, that pressure yeah. to, to 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 write recommendations. Yeah, I think if you if you um, I, I think that if you're feeling that pressure to be able to uh, put out a recommendation, I think during those times, what have, what has helped me um, is to be able to communicate with both my team as well as clients to give them color on the market and to be able to um, 
communicate to them and um, help them understand that we're probably in an environment where we don't want to overexpose ourselves um, or chase any particular stock if you're on the long side. I think having that relationship with both your team as well as your clients is key. Um, so that you on this, um, so that you are on the same page, and that they do know that at this particular juncture, we're not um, putting out any buy recommendations, um, because we might have had a number of buy recommendations um, much more recently. So, and so helping your team and your clients understand that at the moment we have taken our profits, and that we're currently sitting in cash. And we're waiting for the market to be able to pull back so that we can take our next opportunity. I think having that discipline and having that relationship with your team and your clients um, will both suit, uh, will be both beneficial to you as well as your team at the end of the day. Oh, no, I got you, got you. Um, what is some of the, what, what, is, what is one advice when, that when you first heard it sounded like a great advice, but now with the benefit of experience and hindsight was actually a bad advice and, and you know, traders should, you know, stray away from it? I would think it would be uh, buy low, sell high, um, which probably sounds like, um, a, which which does sound like a great saying and 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 has a catchy ring to it. Um, however, what we have seen is that trends can persist um, much longer than we expect them to. And while you may catch the bottom on certain occasions, I think the majority of the time um, traders end up buying the dip, which is probably the first dip of um, many more dips. So, um, you know, um, we've got um, shares that are looking cheap, um, both fundamentally um, and falling um, technically. Um, but oftentimes, you know, if you're going to do that, you probably need, you know, deeper pockets. And we know out there, there's always someone with much deeper pockets than we have um, institutions that are able to drive those stocks um, or, be, or to be able to place um, selling pressure on those stocks. So buy low, sell high. In the beginning, um, a very fancy saying, a well-known saying, but I think that um, you've got to be very careful, you know. Um, as I mentioned um, previously, trying to buy strength or emerging strength is probably a better um, strategy. And also having the wind in your back um, is probably, you know, you want to be able to start off on the front foot as opposed to the back foot. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, uh, um, the, 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 the buy high, buy low, sell high, um, uh, you know, buy low, sell high, high, uh, you know, advice or whatever you, you may call it, is probably the most famous uh, uh, um, trading axiom and the most lambasted um, trading axiom by experienced traders, which is quite ironic. Yes, yes, uh, I'm correct. Um, I think that with, I think that with um, the the ones who do lambaste them probably um, buy shares or instruments that that are in upward trends. Um, because as we know, you know, trends, they persist much longer than we expect them to. Um, you know, we've seen that over the last number of years. And, and, and we've seen that um, influenced as well. We could, we, we could probably say it's influenced from a liquidity perspective, um, um, central banks pumping liquidity into the market. Um, but those trends, they do, they do uh, um, persist. And, um, you know, they've... There's been participants that have made extraordinary amounts of money just following that particular, um, following that particular rule, or avoiding um, buying low and selling high. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, you're probably much better off buying high and selling higher. Um, do you have any, any must reads, uh, uh, must read books recommendations to have? You know, for new or, or you know, or for all traders. I would say um, I would say um, dusting off the um, 
a reminiscence of a stock operator, uh, Jesse, um, Jesse, um, Jesse Livermore. Um, a classic book, um, but it definitely gives you some insight into um, price action, um, market uh, market behavior, um, and it's just a great, um, um, fascinating insight into how a particular individual. Um, I know his ending was a bit, um, his ending was slightly um, tragic. But I think the market does provide insight into price action and to be able to reading in terms of the volume aspects as well. Um, as mentioned, um, trading in the zone, Mark Douglas, as well as um, market wizards by um, Jack um, by, um, Jack Schrager. No, no, yeah, those, those three books are uh, you know top of, of you mentioned book you know uh, my favorite books there and they're always top of my list and I go through them and, and repetition. Um, Lester, thank you very much, man, for taking the time. I really, really appreciate it. Um, do you have any last words before we close off the show? Well, I would say that um, to um, I would say to um, to any aspiring um, new analysts or new traders, I would say to remain a student of the market um, and also just to um, stay hungry in terms of your development and your understanding of market. Um, of um, market dynamics and also to make up your own mind, um, um, to be able to think for yourself and um, not to be easy, easily persuaded by um, too many opinions. And um, do, your, um, to, um, do your own research and don't be afraid to challenge uh, the traditional norms and concepts. So that would be my advice to anyone uh, upcoming. Yeah, that's that's some great advice there. Now, Lester, thank you very much for taking the time. Um, I really, really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Um, thank you very much, Njibulo. I really enjoyed my um, conversation with you. Cool, cool. So we're going to park it here. Um, that's it for the show this week. Thank you for hanging with, with us on the British Shooter Podcast. Um, be sure not to miss another episode of the Video Shooter Podcast by subscribing on your favorite podcast everywhere where good podcasts are created. Um, be sure not to miss uh, uh, Follow the Trader series with Simon Brown and myself uh, every Wednesday this evening as you're listening, um, 5.30. Uh, um, as we do live, uh, a live trading session, you're welcome to ask any questions. Um, and do drop some questions at Sinjabula at VillasTrader.co.za. Um, get up, check your next time on the Village Trader. Let's stop. Thank you for taking the time. And thank you for listening. Uh, check your next time on the Village Trader. Cheers. <laughs>